0: Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Nielsen Brothers podcast. I guess we should have just... Is that what we're calling it? I think we'll call it that. Probably. Yeah, you know, unless you come up with a better name, because you seem to be better at naming podcasts than I
1: do. Yeah, but I'm better at naming podcasts that have a very specific theme or genre attached to them. Well, yeah, then I think Nielsen probably Brothers...
0: Neither. Yeah, I think that,
1: you know, if nothing else, it, like it's probably not taken already. I would assume not. Yeah. I or. guess I didn't Google it. I don't know if there's... I would be really disappointed if there are two other famous Nielsen brothers doing a really popular podcast. Usually the only thing you run into,
0: like when I would do some of my media stuff, is like the Nielsen's Nielsen, ratings system. The Nielsen Media Group. Yeah, yeah, so you have to, and that's the one that's like spelled like ours.
1: I had an idea about doing like a YouTube series or something where it's something I'm really excited about and calling it the Nielsen Ravings or something like that. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just totally copying like that. Use the same
0: like rating scale but it's just for other yeah. things, it's like for your favorite Hot Pockets and things like that. I
1: have been when I tell people my last name is Nielsen, how many people then will be like, oh, like the ratings group? And I'm like, yeah, you know that as a point of reference? Like people who I wouldn't think would think of that, but. That is funny. The one
0: that gets me sometimes is that people will pick out that it's Danish because it's a very Danish name. Yes. Like the spelling is very I specific. just had someone
1: do that to me last week. Or they're just like, Danish name, huh? And I was like, yeah, they're like, must be so with an 'en'." I'm like, yeah, what? This is a weird way to get to know each other. <laughs> I, I know it.
0: Yeah. I uh, That actually came up while I was having a vasectomy one time. <laughs> 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 I say one time as if I've had yeah, a bunch. You've had a couple. <laughs> but but uh, yeah, the nurse is like, oh, you're a Dane. And I was like, you can tell that? Yeah, they got strong balls. <laughs> yeah, so I thought that was yeah, that was interesting. Interesting. But, yeah, so it
1: comes up from time to time. <laughs> but anyway, hi, I'm Logan Nielsen. And I'm Luke Nielsen. We are uh, the Nielsen brothers. We're not the only Nielsen brothers. We have a third one. So we were 66% of the Nielsen brothers. Oh, and both of our football numbers in, in high school were 66 all three of all us. three of us i know that's yeah. that's oh interesting that's not i'm trying to make interesting where it's not uh, but, <laughs> yeah uh but yeah luke is the oldest brother i am the i'm the middle one and then our we are younger brother landon uh who we're hoping to get involved in this show at some point he's kind of a weird uh outdoorsman like yeah a word, sorry not order survivalists. survivalist that's more what the, word I'm, the word i'm looking for
0: we'll browbeat him into being on this from time yeah. to time but he
1: will be less involved and enthusiastic mm-hmm. i imagine yeah he doesn't he doesn't love talking publicly and i brought up the idea of just like well you could do like we could skype you in or whatever and he was just like that sounds like voodoo uh so i don't, <laughs> <laughs> on the interwebs. Yeah, I don't, no, I don't think I do how that works. but yeah. <laughs> uh but so this is uh our podcast where we don't we don't know what. I don't it's well, this is a very early podcast where we didn't where like everyone could just start a podcast without really having a plan like now you really need to have like a specific niche or whatever. Right, right. But this we kind of we just this is the first time we've lived in the same area in Years. Yeah. In like six, seven years. So we decided and we've been doing our own individual podcasts or podcast projects. Like yeah. mine was mine was an individual. I've done some with my my friends in Chicago. And you've done your your solo podcast with your blog and stuff like that, where you do readings of your blog posts, which are really great. The Luke Nielsen podcast. It's really good. Luke oh, Nielsen media. d you. you're a good writer. Uh <laughs> and then um, uh but so then we were living in the same area and we're just like while we're around, we should probably do something. So
0: yeah, no, and I, that was really the birth of it. And I think you first suggest. I think you suggested when you were still living in Chicago, like, hey,
1: what about like a Nielsen's Brother podcast we could do remotely? Yeah, well, because I wanted that just because, and, and this comes from, there's another very famous podcast called My Brother, My Brother, and Me, which is three brothers, and they, they've become a huge empire. But it was, I, when I heard their start, the reason why they started it is they started it just so they had an excuse to talk every week right and that as much as i was already a fan of the podcast that really stuck with me i'm just like oh like yeah i could just because we're like the three of us aren't great at like regular phone calls (laughs) right we all like each other we're very close (laughs) like that's the thing we're super close but like we don't i don't know none of us really love phone calls unless there's like business to be had (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah, no that's definitely true unless there's an actual thing to be talked about you (laughs) know uh, so it's kind of like this could be a reason for that. So I'd first brought that up. Yeah, that was like last year, or maybe early this year or something I brought yeah. up the idea of doing it. But then I ended up moving back to to old St. Ansgar, Iowa from chicago. and uh, and so we're like, well, we're here.
0: So yeah,
1: may as well. And I already have this equipment. So well yeah, it worked yeah,
0: that worked out nice. And it was just we've done so many different creative things for so long, But I think when we were younger, there was enough of an age gap where, you know, get older. Three years is very insignificant. I'm mm-hmm. right? three years older than you. So when we were in high school and things like that, you weren't doing a lot of creative projects together. And then all of our adult
1: lives, we've yeah. been separate places. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we've – yeah, this is – we lived briefly – when I moved back to St. Dan's after college, yep. we were here for a couple of years. But then I'd moved to Chicago and – um, but yeah, the, yeah, the only thing we really did creatively when we were younger is when we did, uh, improv together in speech.
0: Yeah. And that was, yeah, the one year, cause I was a senior and you were a freshman. That
1: was a lot of fun. Yeah. That would have
0: been a neat thing to do longer, I think, and get better at yeah. it. Yeah.
1: Yeah. That would be, if we had been closer in age to be able to do it, but yeah, we only got that one overlap. Right. To right. do it. Yeah. Cause that was fun. Cause yeah. Cause you guys had basically said, that was like the one time our, our speech coach, uh, Brode was just like a. Oh fine, you guys can have him on your team just cuz you want it cuz it was you and your buddies who were seniors <laughs> yep. and you're just like, "Well, we want Logan on our team." And she was like, "Oh, fine." Like <laughs> yeah, yeah, She usually wouldn't let people pick their team, but she was just fine letting you guys just yeah. like kinda. that. was a lot of, and if
0: you're unfamiliar um with like speech competitions cuz yeah, yeah. I found like some people, you know, don't have any idea what that is. True, yeah. So like it's a high school competition Group yeah. that is like a, kind of like a club that you can belong, in, and then they have these competitions, and there's a lot of different things. There's acting things and mime and all sorts of stuff. But we did improv, which mm-hmm. is like the whose line is it anyway or that sort of thing. Yeah. If you're totally unaware of that,
1: but it's uh, but this form of this one is you do five minute scenes. Yeah. So you do a five minute scene. It's you know you get two minutes to plan of just kind of figure out what you're doing, and then you do a five minute scene, um, which is kind of funny that it's not more. You know, like I bring it up with people, and it's a little more in the Midwest. There are people who have done it, you know, kind of, especially like Iowa and Minnesota. Like when I run people, but like in improv, like it because so much improv in like Chicago is long form, yeah, is is doing these longer scenes and not doing the whose line is anyway short form game stuff. Sure, you know, so it's like it's kind of it's it's almost too bad. It's not more prevalent because. The five-minute scenes like actually prepares you for more long. Like I, I felt like I was better at long-form scene work quicker than some other people because I got I got to do like long-form scene work.
0: Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, and in those settings for competition, I'm trying to think for group because there was individual and there was
1: group. And for group, were you just drawing the situations and you came up to the characters? You draw. You would draw three situations, pick one, and Mm. then. Yeah, make that whole thing work. Yeah. When you do individual improv, you're drawing three characters and two situations, or like four characters and three situations, something like that, and then you pick one situation and two different characters. Right. And then you're playing both of them in in the situation. Um, which that was interesting too, and I think that's another thing that like probably gave me a little bit of a step up in certain improv situations because I was used to performing by myself, <laughs> you know, doing improv. Yeah.
0: I think it was just a good experience. It was not something I would
1: have naturally gravitated towards when I did it in high school. Because yeah, you went to all state. Individual, <laughs> Yeah. Out of the two of us, I went on to have, I'm having, I have a current career in comedy. <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're the one that went to Allstate Speech Improv. Well, yeah, and I will address that in a moment, but... <laughs> <laughs> I will address the uh, rumors that have been brought
0: up towards me. <laughs> yeah. No, well, yeah, that is accurate. And I, you know, I have no qualms about that, but... I got talked in. I didn't do it as a freshman, and then as a sophomore. Some friends of mine were doing it, and then Broad, who you referenced to was one of our English teachers in high school.
1: Shirley Broderson. We called her Broad for yeah, sure. Yeah, okay. Yeah, we of, called her Broad. Just yeah. wanted to yeah, I don't know if she wants a shout out, or we'll ever hear this, ever. But <laughs> yeah, probably not. But yeah, she liked being called Broad. Yeah, so it was, wasn't it was like her a, nickname.
0: Yeah. But um She had kind of talked me into it. My friends talked me into doing it. And I was like, all right, well, if I'm going to do it, I'll do improv. So I don't have to memorize anything or Mm -hmm. something like that. Yeah. And it wound up being a really good thing. And like you talked about, you went into a performance thing. I did not. But I think it's really great training for just
1: communicating, thinking on your feet and like, oh, Oh, I have to string something together. Yeah. Well, and it just helps you. It gets rid of a lot of your panic. Right. Of where you don't know exactly what you're going to say. You know, in any situation. It just, it just makes <laughs> yeah. you just not freak the hell out of like... <laughs> yeah, like, yeah. Because you can't. Like, you're just like, well, I have to say something as this other character, you know, or whatever. So R- it, it right. gets rid of a lot of that panic, but...
0: Well, and then now back to address the, yes, I went to all-state speech, which is, so you do it, it's sort of like a sport or whatever it would be. You have a district competition. Uh If you get one ratings in that, you go on to state. If you get one ratings in that, and then you're recommended for all-state, then you go to all-state. However, we've had this conversation before. So yeah, Logan went on to be a performer in a lot of different things. You've acted, you do stand-up, you've done improv, Uh I mean, all these different things. And... I always thought watching you a lot of your stuff was maybe a little over the head of the audience where I was kind of just I, I was hitting singles, you know, I was Tony Gwynn. I was Wade Boggs out there and you you were you were putting them into the bleachers, but I don't right. think everybody always caught what you were referencing. You went a little deeper cut with things and I kinda just I I kind of realized that I thought what would do well and just right. did that.
1: Yeah. I mean, yeah, I don't know. I I can't help but do things that entertain me. Right, right. You know what I mean? Because we've talked about this too in my stand-up where it's like I have jokes that are for me. And they <laughs> yeah. make you laugh because you get me. You get yeah. my sense of humor. Yeah. But there is throwaway jokes that I have that, like, that will never hit with audiences. <laughs> but I keep doing them. And they're just throwaways. It's never the punchline of the joke. But it's just a detail that I throw in that is just for me. That is just like this right. makes me giggle. And I'll move on from it, but it's like it's a fun <laughs> line for me to say. And the, even back then, I was doing that with improv. I'm just like, well, this probably isn't what they're looking for, but this makes me laugh. This I like this. <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, and I I remember watching you. That was probably
0: the earliest point that I got to watch you perform in anything outside of maybe like an elementary school play or something like that. Yeah, we
1: like we did that big play in eighth grade. That was right. That was know, big. That yeah, was kind of like the. Because I was the person who was gonna take over the high school theater, like did kind of a middle school play to like flex some muscle. That's right. <laughs> like, that's right. I
0: forgot that was in middle school.
1: Yeah, I was. That was eighth grade that I was in that. Yeah. Is, yeah.
0: Okay. Well, yeah. So, but around that era, that yeah. couple of years or whatever. But
1: I remember. Sitting and like watching you perform at a district or state yeah, you, thing. Yeah, because you you came up from college to see me in it because I wouldn't have done individual till sophomore. So you would have come caught one of those. Oh right. Because freshman year would have been you and Dino would have been doing individual, right? Oh right. Or you I, and Colin, one of you two. I think it was me and Dino. I think Colin
0: did whatever the thing was where you were like picked out expository speaking or something yeah you or, picked out like news topics then you would or
1: spontaneous speaking is uh, that yeah, one. i love that this podcast started with us talking for 12 minutes about speech yeah, that's <laughs> fine it's, it's, i know it's, that just i didn't think it was gonna go that formative
0: thing but well, i i will always remember this is when well, i are talking about my friend colin mckinley um that's his name mm-hmm. um so my friend Colin, my former cousin-in-law oh yeah that's right too <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Logan used to be married to his cousin. <laughs> anyway,
1: <laughs> um, but I remember this is some weird world building we're doing on this podcast. Yeah, yeah. have you got us figured out yet? Now it's getting weirder. <laughs> we're gonna build the. We're gonna build our
0: entire lives. Mm-hmm. But I remember he would do the spontaneous speaking or whatever. So you get news topics or you know some hot button issue, and then you would have a couple minutes to prep, and then you would talk about mm-hmm. it. But his thing was, his out was, if it wasn't going well, and you could – there's less of an audience interaction there as there is with improv, but you can tell, right. like, if if the speech wasn't going super great, then he would just turn into the – um was it from Animal House? I will not stand here and let you badmouth the United States of America. Oh, yeah. <laughs> he would just shift into that speech. No matter what the topic was, if it was not going well, he would just turn into there and say, I will not stand here and let you badmouth the United States of America. And I remember one time watching him, and we were in a little classroom because they'd have these in schools, and you just filled mm-hmm. the classrooms, and there's not a lot of people watching the spontaneous speaking, and there's the judges. Mm-hmm. And he turns into that because it wasn't Going great, and I just remember the judges being like, "What did that have to do with who was bad mouthing anything?" You know?
1: <laughs> <laughs> they didn't they didn't get the reference, but it was great. It was so. just a, a panic move of, "Oh, screw it, I'll just throw this away." Yeah, yeah. So I
0: appreciated that.
1: I remember doing speech it was like one of my first times being like recognized by people who weren't from my hometown. Oh yeah, it was in my senior year doing a scene. Uh, one of my scene partners was. Colin McKinley's cousin, (laughs) my ex-wife, but we had done this really great scene at district speech, and then we were at state, or it might have even been like later. It might have been at individuals, even Mm. so, like months later, like a couple months later. I remember walking through, and it was this character. where it was they were my team members were they got the suggestion was like at the you arrived at the wrong airport. And, like, they thought they were going to Hawaii, but they ended up in Russia. And so okay. then I was, like, the Russian, like, border agent. And we played it real hokey. I just, I just kept being, like, welcome to Russia. Like, <laughs> it's like Yakov Shmirov. It was a little very much, like, <laughs> like in Soviet Russia, plane fly you. <laughs> like, it was just it was a lot of that. But uh, but it was them just trying to, and it was just me. I was just very happy they are there. And I was just welcoming them. And they kept being, like, no, we are in the wrong place. <laughs> and so anytime they'd be, like, no, no, but can you solve this situation for us? I'd let it get real quiet and just go. Welcome to Russia! Like, and it was just so it was just positivity like versus positivity like kind of right. And then I remember like later in a speech competition, I was walking through the gym and a bunch of like kids from another school all just yelled at me, "Welcome to Russia!" <laughs> and I turned and I was like, "Oh, thanks." And I walked away, and my and like my friends with me were just like, "That was weird." I'm like, "It very much was." <laughs> <laughs> it's weird that my work is being recognized here <laughs> yeah, yeah that's pretty awesome but i remember when we did that one like because the it was like a huge classroom and like it was packed because like all the teams that were going after us were in there right like watching and so like uh, i remember just like it just killed like we just crushed it oh, oh yeah because that was at state group because we were really mad that we didn't get like the outstanding performance of the section we had straight ones you know right you, it's ones is good it's like golf you want a low score yeah, yeah. You, <laughs> ones are the best <laughs> But so we got that, and we were just like, oh, man, we killed. Like, we should have got the outstanding one. So, yeah, then it was at individuals that, like, a bunch of kids yelled at me, like, welcome to Russia. <laughs> That's pretty awesome.
0: I remember my Which first... Which now has
1: a sad political tone to it if you yell at people walking through, welcome to Russia. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, it's less good now. It's better in, like, a Yakov
0: Smirnov sense. Yeah, what a country. <laughs> uh. <laughs> I, I remember, the first, like, initially getting recognized for things like that. It was my sophomore year that... Like, I did speech and went to all state and stuff. And then we're from
1: a very small town, a very small area. So you get recognized for stuff like, yeah, yeah. (laughs) I want to be very clear like, we don't think we're like big dogs. Like, it's just like,
0: if you do something, then people know who you are. mm -hmm, Yeah. But I remember I did one play in high school Mm -hmm. and it was my sophomore year. And I, this is not to denigrate anyone else, but it was sort of like no one was out for the play. So right. one of my buddies informed me and our other friends that we were going out for the play. Uh huh. So we did. <laughs> Terry Sponheim. Terry might listen to this. So shout out to Terry Sponheim, hey. who was a senior when I was a sophomore, and then I think called me and said, "Hey, we're going out for the play." And I'm like, "Are we?" And he's like, <laughs> "He's like, we are," because other there's not anybody signed up. So I didn't know he did any plays. He was the lead in the play that I was in. Oh, that's fantastic. yeah, yeah. it's so picture of this group. and I the play i don't I don't think we did a super great job. I wore a fake mustache, though. and then it's again, small town. It's one of probably the first time where I'm speaking publicly to people, uh-huh. And then, of course, the question always afterwards was, hey, that was a funny voice you were doing the whole time. What do you really talk like? And I'm like, oh, no, this is what
1: I sound like all the time. And we've gotten comments recently, too, that we sound similar. So I'm sure this podcast is just a nightmare. (laughs) Sounds like two cavemen
0: talking to each
1: other. And I'm not sure which one
0: is which. They
1: both laugh real loud, though. (laughs) That's that is funny. Well, speaking of high school plays, too, like I've talked with you about this before, too. Like, you made me think of when I come back every now and then, I'll do a stand up show around here, Mm -hmm. and I'll have someone who because I did a bunch of plays in high school, and some of the and back when when I was doing plays in high school, too, is like when like the people really came out to the shows. Like, we just it was just uh, the theater program was pretty popular, yeah, so a lot of people would come out. Um so then a lot of people just knew I was in plays. And like the plays were fine. They were like they weren't amazing shows. We had a couple of good ones, but most of them were just like we're hokey, we're just really corny high school plays. Like sure. you know, we did what one that gets referenced to me all the time is the one that was called Airline. And it was just <laughs> <laughs> I I probably remember took, the one scene you're going to talk about. Yeah. Well I, I don't I don't even have a scene I talk about, but I, I had uh I've just done shows around here where I'll do a stand-up show and I'll walk in and there'll be people in the audience like waiting. And just some older person, they'll grab and they're like, "Oh my god, like I love the plays you were in in high school." And I have to turn <laughs> and be like, "This is gonna be nothing like that." <laughs> it's, it's be a little more blue. I need to just let you know right <laughs> now, this is not gonna be. And I've I've disappointed some people around here. <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. A quote that got back to me once is, "I will never pay money to see him again," just
0: because <laughs> <laughs> I said some naughty words. But well, but yeah. there was a
1: guy. I thought of the airline one too, because there was a guy who specifically referenced like a scene from that play, like before the show and i was just and he's like oh you did this thing and you did that i'm like yeah (laughs) i did a long time i'm gonna do a whole different thing up there you know that right you do know that (laughs) well maybe not i'm not doing a staged reading of (laughs) airline a play that was written directly like for samuel french like it wasn't even (laughs) like it wasn't like a published play like it's meant to be performed for high schools
0: Uh, yeah (laughs) thinking of Like starting out performing and stuff like that, though, you kind of did the Yakov Smirnov thing. I remember that, like doing improv too. And it was pretty easy to just sort of rip off other movies or like bits that we had seen. And what you know, we grew up watching a lot of stand up, like more than I think most kids from our era.
1: Yeah, I'm always surprised that I'm surprised at how many stand ups I know, like, don't know a lot of stand-up but it's like we just we consumed it when we were kids yeah you know but it's like i'm also too like you know i remember just when i was young everyone knew i loved comedy and i remember dad was the one who was flipping through hbo and just landing on a george carlin special and just saying like oh you'll like this guy <laughs> and it's like i was a kid yeah. and I, I only understood half of what he was talking about but right. like i did i fell in love with carlin right away but it's like it's because dad just said oh yeah, yeah no he's good <laughs> like well and i will always remember we had that vhs tape of the young comedian oh special oh my god it's HBO the, young comedians. I've seen other young comedian specials too, but that one was the best one. I it's can't the re- best one ever. I can't remember which one it was. If it was like the the sixth or the eighth or something like that, I don't it remember. 1985, like something like that. I but it, it had it had Sam Canison and Bob Saget and Louie Anderson, Bob Nelson. Uh, Maurice LaMarche who have Yagov you know, Smirnoff Yagov Smirnoff was on it that's right Yagov Smirnov. Rita Rudner was on yeah, it yeah. Uh, um, it had a bunch of really great Rodney it was at because it was at Dangerfield. Is at Dangerfield, so he opened and it. then he Rodney MCs Dangerfield it. hosts it yeah um, that's a really good one that one
0: was just good I mean every single person even the people who didn't go on to be super huge like Maurice Lamarche, probably a name not a lot of people know. But he's he's if you've ever watched anything where
1: someone does a voice, he's Any in it. Any cartoon, yeah, he's because uh, he does a ton of voices on Futurama. If you know yeah. that, like. He was, he was the brain from Pinky the Brain. That's a lot of people would know. Right, he's, right. It's like it, the Orson
0: Welles impression. Any
1: character that has ever sounded like Orson Welles <laughs> is Maurice smart <La> including <laughs> yeah. Orson Welles in Ed Wood. It's Vincent DeOnofrio playing him, but then they put in Maurice LaMarche's voice over him because Vincent DeOnofrio didn't sound enough like, or oh. D'Onofrio, Dinof- I think is how people Dinofrio, pronounce it. I it's think. D'Onofrio, yeah. I think. Um, but he didn't sound enough like Orson Welles, and... Maurice lamarche was already doing Orson Welles in cartoons and stuff like that. In the Animaniacs was right. the brain and stuff like that, so they brought him in to dub over him. Hmm. But that was the M- lamarche yeah, yeah. Because I always remember his his Rod Serling and then going oh, through like the Twilight Zone. And- so good,
0: yeah. So anyway, we grew up watching this, and it was recorded on a VHS tape off of those old HBO Young Comedian specials. And going back to look at those now, you know, there's a lot of stuff that's it probably wasn't super appropriate for young kids or, or stuff that I just didn't oh, get, no. you know, Yeah, but it was so funny and you could tell it was funny. So I remember doing a lot of stuff like that, either like performing or just interacting with friends. And then people be like, yeah. Oh, you're really funny. I'm like, oh, I'm just, I'm re- this is a Sam Kinison bit, oh, but you don't know that. So I used
1: to do that bit. Uh, the Bob Nelson bit in that where he does the football team. Yeah. Cause what he, what he does is he puts two balloons in his sweater that makes it look like shoulder pads. And then he just has a helmet and he just change he does the whole like now meet the team you know from whatever and he just does the all the players introducing themselves but he changes the way he uses the helmet either he puts it on a different way or he breaks part of it or whatever and just every so he just does this whole football team and so i used to do that in elementary school or middle school like i would <laughs> right. but instead i would make it all my friends
0: Oh, So I would do yeah, yeah. all of
1: my friends in school, but I'd make them a different character. And it got to a point like where that was where I first like started really like knowing I wanted to like be a performer for sure. Right. Because then i I had friends, they would all just like sit around and like, hey, do the football thing. <laughs> and then I'd be like, okay, and I'd make yeah. a bunch of new jokes and like have like then like a running through line for some of them. You know, and it was just it was just riffing and stuff like that. But it was like I'd have friends who'd sit down and like watch me do it. And it was just me ripping off Bob Nelson. <laughs> like, <it> was, <laughs>
0: yeah. Which you know, I, th- I think of that all the time with our folks. So, you know, our parents are pretty, like, straight-laced, you know, sort of. Whatever, yeah. they're not real, whatever, out there. But we were kind of, they're always on the, like, cutting edge of comedy for whatever reason.
1: Yeah, it w- it's, it's weird because, like, our mom would show us stuff like that, but then edit anything. Like, would edit, move, like, she used to record movies onto VHS and do her own edits of them. <laughs> yeah. Like, I didn't know there was a masturbation joke in Tommy Boy for 20 years. Like, I had no idea <laughs> yeah, she, that was she in would, there. She would do the, you know,
0: pause and then hit record again when it was over, and she was pretty seamless. I gotta say, seamless
1: edit. <laughs> pretty
0: good. I gotta say, a
1: really good edit.
0: There was a couple of things where, like, later they would
1: refer back to something, like, I'm not sure what they're referring to. I don't know to. what they're talking to. <laughs> like, I don't know what they're talking about, but, like... So, I don't, yeah, it was a weird mix of like, oh, cover your eyes for any violence or any sexuality. But it's like, yeah, here's Sam Kinison yell for a while.
0: Well, and it's horrible. That of, won't
1: make an impression. <laughs> yeah. He's on coke.
0: <laughs> <Like>. <laughs> yeah. But there's something about just in general. I do the same thing, parenting, where it's like, if it's funny, though, it sort of trumps a lot of other things. yeah. You know, because it's, it's sort of making a point in a funny way. Or, like, if your kids do something funny, then you're sort of like, hey, you maybe shouldn't say that. It's pretty funny. Right. But maybe, you know, right. like, keep that here.
1: Yeah. I don't know. That's just, I think just, I don't know, humor is so universal. Like, it's just, it's such a, like, laughing is such, like, that means every, that means the same thing across every culture. Yeah, You know what I mean? If you laugh at something. So I don't know if if there's something to that of just, like, why that makes people... Because you see that a lot where people just like, a kid will say something that's out of line, but if it makes them laugh, they'll be like, okay, you're not going to be in trouble for this one. Right, yeah. Because it was a good (laughs) one. But, like, don't do it again.
0: Well, I always think, too, it has something to do with, you know, we kind of grew up, you know, lower middle class, kind of blue collar, whatever. Mm. And I always think, I don't... This is not a bad thing, but... You grow up in a way where it's like we're not going to Disney World, we're not going on these big grand no, vacations, yeah. but like, hey, Friday night we can watch this movie or hear some funny thing, and you can still bond and have a really good, ch- really good time with each other, right? And share that joy and that laughter and those sorts of things. So I think that was part of it too. We were always watching comedy stuff, but mm-hmm. you know, our folks were on top of everything because I remember, you know, Letterman was their guy. Oh Which, yeah, yeah. I mean, Letterman is, for my money, the greatest late night host.
1: Yeah, I mean, we didn't get to grow up with Carson, right? But even when I watch old clips, but it's just like I don't know, Letterman. I don't know. He he was he was the greatest interviewer. I don't right. Is he was always even at the end was always at the weird alt cutting edge of comedy and like would always have weird bands on and just like was, for sure. Yeah. It was it was always about him exploring what he thought was interesting and funny. In, yeah. In show yeah. even even at the very end of the show, like, was still
0: that. For sure. You know, that was – so our folks were, like, they grew up with Carson, but then when Letterman was coming up, they were – Letterman was their guy. Mm -hmm. And I remember when I was really young – the few occasions I got to stay up really late when everything going on mm-hmm. and watch Letterman's show, yeah. you know, and like that, or like we watched in living color and stuff growing up. Where that is
1: weird. There was a we've talked about this before of how like us and even like our cousins. There was a moment where we were all watching in living color and not SNL. Right, right, yeah. And it was a good era of SNL, but we were, for some <laughs> reason was. we were all really watching in living color. Well, all these white kids in North Middle Iowa, like.
0: Hey, I've thought of that before too, because it seems odd. But like, I don't know. In living color, in general, and it seemed to some of the humor seemed to be a little more blue collar or yeah. lower socioeconomic type of thing. So I think our family just—I don't know—I found it really relatable.
1: Yeah, and, I'm, and like, I'm—I I, want to thread this. <laughs> in a way that doesn't make me seem like I'm, I'm, I'm uh, I don't am i know, appropriating anything. But I think part of that came from because it was a predominantly black cast. Right. And so they were kind of talking more about that stuff, which tended to be more about, like, you know, because, you know, the Wayans have talked about it. They grew up poor. Right. And so a lot of their sketches tend to skew more about, like, lower middle class experiences. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like SNL generally has kind of always been like a – not a, not a upper class humor, but like always kind of like New York a little more in the industry humor. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. You
0: know? that's kind of my take on it too. And it was the same thing. I was not trying to say anything like culturally different. No, no you
1: didn't. I was the one that brought yeah. in the, <laughs> the Rachel. I mean, you, no. you did it better. I could have just not. Uh, so well, I no, didn't want to claim like, I'm like, no, yeah, we grew up, we grew up black. Like I didn't want to, I really, I was trying to thread that, but I think that's part was part of it was just like, it actually, and so much of it was based around communal stuff. And I think especially right, we grew up in right. a big, ridiculous family. So right. like a lot of our stuff, our our mom has uh, thirteen brothers and sisters, so we grew yeah. up with like ninety cousins at everything. <laughs> so right, you know what I mean. So I, so I think there was something to that where everything was just more about like kind of, I don't know, regular everyday yeah like average human experiences instead of you know yeah like SNL. It was a little more had had character stuff. But it was a little more like oh like pop culture references and stuff, you know, right. but a, little, a little more highfalutin than, than say, In Living Color was, and not in a, like, better way that they were smarter, because In Living Color was a smart show. Oh, super smart. I just I always it was felt a like... a really smart
0: show. It was just looking at the same issues from an angle that seemed closer to how I, like, from my perspective, mm-hmm. if that makes sense. Yeah, I think so. But, and you may have hit something, too, that In Living Color did seem very communal, because... More than half the cast is the Wayans family, brothers yeah. and sisters. And I forget.
1: There's at least one sister. I don't know. Maybe there was more that was on the cast. I'm trying to remember now. I think they only had one. I think they have more than one sister, but I think they only had one sister who was on the cast. It could be. I think, but I'm not. I I couldn't tell you because because that was that was a show that like sadly dropped off in quality pretty quickly, like after its fourth season. Sure. You know what I mean? Like just because like most a lot of them left. Yeah. And then and then they. I don't know, because then I remember at a point where they like almost replaced the whole cla the whole cast, and I think what made those first couple of years so good of that show, and maybe this is a part of the communal thing, is didn't it feel like they literally was like a bunch of people deciding to do a show together? Well, yeah,
0: no, that was the feel. Like we came up with this. We just it seemed like they were enjoying it. Yeah. And this this is what we came
1: up. And with. And it's because it was you know it was literally like brothers doing it because you had you know keenan created it and then and then damon and then sean and marling were eventually a part of it too and then they had their sister on and i think they were already friends with tommy davidson and stuff like that like the only people they brought in they didn't know were uh, jim carrey and uh i forget the the white lady's name but they're like the only ones they didn't know and I, i think i think it was i think the story is like damon wayans saw jim carrey at something, it was just like, maybe we should grab him. Like, saw him at oh, a club. Oh, really? It was literally just like, I think someone knew him in the stand up world. It was just like, oh, and I think, I think in the, do- I saw like a short little documentary about it. And I remember like Keenan Ivory Wayne's like talking to me, he's like, well, we should have like a white guy on. <laughs> they're, they're like, they're like, that will just help us. Cause they were, you know, there was, <laughs> right. it, cause it was early Fox too. And like Fox was like a new network and yeah, stuff like yeah. that too. And they were just like, let's just, let's make sure we have at least a white guy. That'll help us. Like, <laughs> Because he's been pretty blunt about that, but then I think they knew him from the stand-up world and just sure. brought him in right before. And then you know, a couple years later, he was then super famous for movies right. and stuff like that. But it was just, I get that's what in *Living Color*. In *Living Color* felt like, oh, all these people decided they're gonna they're gonna do their own SNL, right? You know, what I mean? because by that point SNL, you know, cause that was the early '90s, so SNL had already been 20 years in. Yeah, and it was very clearly like, oh, people come and go. There are already different generations, different casts, different. You know what I mean? Yeah, like, yeah. What do you think about this? This on SNL, this gets brought up a lot of. Everyone says the best cast of SNL ever is always the best cast that uh was on when they were in high school.
0: I think to a point that's true, but but I think I think most of the time it breaks down to a lot of people like that early 90s, late
1: 80s cast, whatever, mm-hmm. I forget
0: the overlap, but you know, that had Dana Carvey and Phil
1: Hartman and like that kind that of late 80s into the like Mike Myers and Adam right. Sandler. Like, yeah,
0: I think a lot of people peg that era. And then I think a
1: lot of people peg the original cast, mm-hmm. which honestly, if you watch the first couple seasons of SNL, they don't hold up certain sketches do certain sketches are good like i I was just watching some recently with a friend and it was from like season two or whatever and you watch it and you're like oh yeah gilda and bill murray are just inherently watchable you can you can watch them do anything yeah doesn't matter this could be a sketch of them eating bread like it (laughs) it, they are they're just magnetic performers but most of the sketches like go on so long yeah because it's, like, people don't realize, like, some of the iconic sketches from that era, the great joke is in, like, the first minute, and then there's four more minutes of sketch after that. Yeah, I can see that.
0: But but I think, and I, th- I do think there's a part to people are just partial to anything like when they were growing up so if you have older generation people
1: they're like ah, oh, but the original cast well that's, that's what i mean it's like it's the cast that was that you were in high school that was on when you were in high school was like the cast you related to yeah but i
0: don't I don't feel like a lot of people are pegging anything between the original cast to like the late 80s. You know what I mean? Like, Obviously, there's people in high school at that point, but I feel like they're either going like, oh, no, it was this or this. Yeah, you don't hear a
1: lot of people just like, nah, my favorite cast, you know, Anthony Michael Hall, Robert Downey (laughs) Jr., (laughs) Charles Rocket. Uh, (laughs) Yeah.
0: Well, because you'll even have, well, like people our age, like when we were in high school, it was like the Will Ferrell and that sort of thing. So I think you have some people like, oh, that's the best era I think it was a pretty good era, but I think you still have a lot of people like, wow, well, no, when I was younger the early 90s was better.
1: Yeah. It's hard for me to track because I was watching all SNL in high school because that was back when Comedy Central was playing SNL all day, every day. <laughs> right. And then, this, I, I'm i sad they don't do this anymore because this was my favorite thing like of TV from my childhood was that there would be an episode of SNL and then right afterwards they would play a classic SNL episode. So you'd get you get the hour and a half regular SNL. Right. And then you get another you get three straight hours of SNL. Yeah. And what they would do with the classic episodes, they do that every week. And then once they would get through to the current era, they just start them back over. Yeah, I remember that. That was so awesome. That was, so that was when like I had watched like the bad ones from the eighties and found out like Julia Louis Dreyfus and Randy Quaid were on <laughs> SNL for a season. Joan Cusack, you you've all been on here? Yeah. Like, that was where I found out the Robert Downey Jr. and Anthony Michael Hall were on it. You know, like Yeah, that is great. And that was an
0: interesting era where I just generally, I don't remember anything from that era, but generally not regarded as like their top episodes. Mm-hmm. But they were bringing on people, some people who were already
1: famous. Well, yeah. Well, that was like, people don't realize like the Billy Crystal, Billy Crystal was only on for like one season. Yeah. It was him. And I think that was when Martin Short was on too. And I think when uh, uh like Christopher Guest and Harry Shearer and stuff were doing stuff, they were only on it for a year because they were already like all established. Right. And I think that was like when Lorne Michaels wasn't there. Oh, okay. I think someone else came in and was just like, well, we're just going to bring in like just People that are already pretty famous, people already like. And then I think when Lauren came back, he wanted to just rebrand, like restart his own reign right. there and just ended all the contracts. So like Billy Crystal was only on for one season, I think. Well,
0: that makes sense. But there
1: were, yeah, I one just or remember two. a lot of them where I would see an old episode and be like, I'm pretty sure this movie or whoever was in was before mm-hmm. this. But I just find it interesting that. Michael McKeon hosted SNL before he was ever a cast member.
0: Yeah, that's the one that comes to my mind. I was struggling to think of his name off the top of my head. but
1: uh, he, he hosted yeah. it like right after Spinal Tap. Yeah. And then he was a cast member in the 90s. I think, he, I think he is the oldest to join SNL. I was thinking about that the other day. I
0: was watching the – well, I was watching the – Chris Farley, Matt Foley, motivational speaker, Mm -hmm. but um, Phil Hartman
1: is in that episode, and I love Phil Hartman. Phil Hartman. He was one of my idols. Phil Hartman's one of my comedy idols.
0: Well, and I think, I mean, he if I had to pick an all-time team for Saturday Night Live, he is, Mm -hmm. I mean, he's right up there with like a Bill Murray as one of my possible first picks, depending who's on the table, just because he could do anything. But he's a guy who, you know, in that sketch, he plays the dad of David Spade, yeah. which seemed plausible. David Spade seemed young enough and Phil Hartman seemed old right. enough. And so I was thinking, I'm like, how old was Phil Hartman on that show? Because he seemed perpetually like the well put together
1: 40 year old man. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he seemed 45 his entire career. Yeah. His entire career, and like, <laughs> and I think he died at fifty or fifty-two or something like that. He wasn't that old, like, but right?
0: But I just was watching that episode. I'm like, how old was he when he got on the show? He just always seemed like everyone's dad.
1: Yeah, I don't know. I I, I think he was in his thirties. Like he was in his maybe late thirties when he got on the show. But he, because he got on in that late eighties. I think he may have got on the same time like like Dana Carvey did. Like that because '86 was like a big shift, and that was when Dana Carvey. Yeah, it was Dana Carvey, Phil Hartman. Kevin Nealon, hmm. um, uh, like Victoria Jackson, um, uh, oh, a couple, I can't remember the the other lady that used to always do stuff with uh, um, uh, Phil Hartman. I can't think of her name right now. It's bothering me. I'll think of it later. Uh, <laughs> but like, I think they all got added because that was like when they had fired. The, like the whole cast? They'd fired the whole cast except for John, John Lovitz. And they did that little sketch where like
0: the, they did the studio's on fire. They're, they're
1: burning down the studio, and then literally Lauren goes, hold on, and he runs in and only saves John Lovitz. <laughs> and then at the end of the season, it literally says, who will survive? <laughs> Find out next season on Saturday Night Live! <laughs> and then they came back, and they fired everybody but John Lovitz. <laughs> yeah. That's when they added crazy. Dennis Miller. Dennis Miller joined in 87 too like that was that whole crop and that was like then would immediately like that they were immediately a hit that next in the dana carvey's first episode i just someone brought this up the other day and i looked up it was true dana carvey's first episode is has chopping broccoli and church lady in it really in his first episode of saturday night live well that was a great i think they opened that episode with chopping broccoli
0: really well, and that people forget that for a handful of years there, Dana Carvey was like the funniest
1: man on television. Well, he was he was incredibly famous. He, yeah, he left when he left SNL. He was on the cover of Rolling Stone. Yeah, watch the on Hulu. You don't have Hulu. I need you. Get, there's so much on Hulu. I need you to watch. You just need to borrow my my because <laughs> they did uh, they did a documentary about the Dana Carvey show.
0: Oh, I love the Dana Carvey show. I remember. You're I love remember this documentary. prepping for it to watch it. Dan and I, our cousin Dan, mean, mm-hmm. we were like, "This is gonna be it," and it was hilarious, but a little
1: too out there. It was. It's. It's a really good documentary. Um, but they talk about that how, like, when Dana left, he could have done anything he wanted, and they gave him a prime time sketch show on ABC <laughs> yeah. following Home Improvement, which was the most popular show on television at that time. Right, and so. So, and
0: they opened with just some of the weirdest stuff. They, and it
1: did not stick around very they, long. They talk about, they literally talk about how, like, they fought so hard for that to be their opening sketch. And they're pretty sure that's what killed it. They, I don't want to spoil the documentary too, which is a very good documentary, but they talk about how just the show flopped. So that's not a spoiler. But uh, <laughs> ABC2, they were so invested in how the show was going to do that they they literally, like, paid extra. Like, they worked harder to have this literal minute-by-minute minute ratings.
0: Oh, man.
1: And so the opening sketch is Dana Carvey appears as Bill Clinton. And it's him just talking about, I'm going to be so caring for America. And it's him talking <laughs> about being caring. And then it slowly reveals he's had his body augmented to make himself more caring. That he's added he's added six nipples to his body just so he can feed babies and puppies. And then he's yeah. he's genetically altered his bottom half to have like a like a hen's behind so he can he can warm <laughs> eggs and stuff like that. And they said like I think they said it like they paid for the minute by minute. And like the second the nipples were shown, the ratings like dropped. It went from everybody from the millions who are watching Home Improvement to nobody <laughs> well, and it was only on for what a couple episodes a handful sixth, of episodes they made six i think only four or five aired there was a whole episode that didn't air yeah because they had a yeah there was an episode that didn't air because they they talk about how their sixth episode they thought was their best stuff but it didn't air so they ended up doing some of those sketches on snl when dana carvey hosted oh okay. but what people don't realize too is the ambiguously gay duo started on Dana Carvey show. The old Oh, the Robert Smigel deal. The old yeah. Saturday t- And on SNL, because the first voices of it were Stephen Colbert and Steve Carell because they were cast members on the Dana Carvey show. Oh, I didn't realize that. So on SNL, when the ambiguously gay duo would play, it was Colbert and Steve Carell doing the voices. And Robert Smigel fought hard at SNL being like, no, these guys originated the characters. I want them...
0: I did not realize those were the two voices. It's, if I had heard that before, I don't remember it's, that. It's
1: Steve Carell and Stephen Colbert doing the voices of uh, Ace and Gary. That's pretty great. From, were they writers on Dana Carvey's show? They were performers. They were writers and performers. Okay, all right. Well, because I just remembered that, like Dude, everybody was a writer on that show. That the writing staff on that show is insane because it was uh, the head writers were Louis C.K. R.I.P. Um, <laughs> he's not dead but I just say that cuz my respect for him is uh but <laughs> <it was laughs> Louis CK uh Dino Stamatopoulos who he's he's just written on a ton of great stuff. Um if you're a comedy dork you know who Dino Stamatopoulos <laughs> is. Yeah. Um uh Bill Odenkirk, Bob Odenkirk's brother. Oh, and I believe right. I believe Bob Odenkirk had done some writing on it too. Oh, so I thought Bob was on there and I didn't know Bill Odenkirk. Both I think right. both Odenkirks had wrote on it. Um and then uh, uh Robert Smigel um, and then, uh, oh, what's his name? He had a. Oh, I can't. I'm not gonna think of it. this. is gonna be bad radio because I can't think of his name. He had a late night show for a second on Fox. Spike oh, Spike, Ferriston. Oh, Spike Ferriston. Oh, wow, yeah, that is a deep pull. <laughs> he was a writer on it. Uh, some other great just people who went on to just like long comedy writing careers. And then yeah, the cast was Stephen Colbert and, and Steve Carell were like they they got hired right out of Second City to go to. Oh. To go to the Dana Carvey show, but yeah, and then there were writers on that, um, but yeah, and it, so the yeah because the, the the documentary on Hulu is called Too Funny to Fail, because <laughs> everyone thought for sure it was going to be an instant runaway hit, and then it, <laughs> right. ju- it just bombed. But but then all those guys went into great jobs because the Odenkirk's both went to the Simpsons right after that, and
0: well, and was was Conan on the Dana Carvey show writing staff too,
1: and went to the Simpsons at the same time,
0: or was he just at the Simpsons?
1: No, by the time the Dana Carvey show was starting, Conan was already on late night because a oh, lot, because yeah, a lot of, because some of those guys, I think actually, yeah, no, because Louis C.K. and Dino, I think, left and went to Conan. I think left Conan to go to Dana Carvey show. Oh, okay. And then Dino, I th- or Smigel, did too. But then I think, and some of the, oh, Smigel left SNL, I think. But then they went back. Then like a couple of them went back to shows they were already working on. Okay. But I think because I, be- I believe. Yeah cuz Louie wrote for Conan for the first 2 years of Conan cuz he w- they were going to make him the head writer for the second year and he didn't want it and then I think he left for the Dana Carvey show. That would make sense. Yeah, I forget that would have overlapped cuz you know I remember
0: like we were talking about like and then our he, folks. and then he left to
1: start doing stuff with Chris Rock then after that, but
0: oh. But like we talked about our folks you know, kind of, they. You know, David Letterman was kind of the the hip voice in late night when mm-hmm. Carson was on and yeah. stuff. And then I remember specifically Conan being like, "The oh, this is something
1: different. This is for
0: me Conan, as like a younger
1: yeah. audience." And I, I love Letterman and but, we, yeah,
0: because we we loved
1: Conan. I mean, we talked about Conan yeah. all the time, like all the running bits they used to do on that staring contest and oh, like, it was
0: just it was so irreverent, and especially the early episodes where they're just kind of trying to hang on and make it a thing mm-hmm. and it was yeah i love that i so i remember watching you know we would watch that and our cousin dan again we would stay up and watch that mm-hmm. all the time and yeah so conan was another one as far as like watching comedy stuff all the time when we were young it's like oh there's something going on
1: here there's something different yeah because Let- it was uh, that was every night when i'd go to bed i'd i'd watch letterman first and then i'd change it over to conan yep and then, you know, and then I guess I'd just leave it on. Carson Daly would be on after that, and I didn't really care. But, like... <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, yeah.
0: I think of that, too. When we were in school, and probably should have been sleeping because we were in sports and school and all these things, like, staying up and watching all the late-night TV I shows. I needed to watch all Conan. I needed to watch Conan. <laughs> yeah. at, least,
1: at least for sure the first half when they're just doing bits and sketches right. and stuff like that. Because I, I I, was such a fan of Conan O'Brien. And when he... when. When he left late night, he didn't leave TV. He went to the Tonight Show then, and they did Conan on TBS. But late night with Conan O'Brien ending was like an emotional one for me. Yeah. Even though I'm like, oh, he's literally not leaving television. Like the show's not ending. He's going. Yeah. He's literally gonna be on another show in a couple months. But I remember when when that ended it was like kind of like, a, oh man, like late nights over. Like right.
0: Yeah. And it's kind of interesting because it was feels like to me, sort of like the first domino and late night becoming less significant. Yes, yeah, I agree because with that. Because there's still some good stuff, but you can watch a lot of the sketches on streaming
1: the next day on YouTube or whatever. That's what it's, it's all games and all like song, like let's all, we're singing a song medley now and stuff like that. Like, I don't right. know, like no one's, I think Letterman leaving, I think really was kind of the end of great, like, late night talk show and this is i'm trying to i want to make sure i don't just sound like an old man being like good things are different now than when i was watching it <laughs> right but I, I literally think it's i was just talking about this with, with my my friend josh who's a, a very successful comedian <laughs> yeah. uh, in new york and writes for the daily show and so like but we were talking about we were we were just texting back and forth about like late night talk shows and we we're just kind of like we we're like yeah i just think that format doesn't it just doesn't have staying power anymore yeah it's just and it's not that it's like, oh, it's bad now. It's just like no I just think literally people like that format's just not what it used to be anymore and it's like it's it's something else. It'll change into something else and someone will find whatever the next thing is because right now, like the ones that are on are kind of just they're just kind of scratching at trying to stay relevant, you right. know what I mean because right now and we talk about like everything now it's either either you either you do all politics or you try so hard to stay away from politics. Right. You know what I mean? Because, like, Colbert is all politics. Yeah. And then Fallon doesn't want to pretend – he pretends politics don't even exist. Right. You know what I mean? And it's like – so that's the – there's no middle ground anymore of just, like, just kind of being, like, here's some jokes about the news and then we'll move on.
0: Yeah, that's true. You know true. what I mean? Like, Well, and I think not everyone, but at least it appears or there's a sense that people are a little more – adamant or a little more tribal with I'm on this side I'm on this side or whatever so it's harder to have just a like we're making fun of everybody and just don't get upset about it yeah and see people and people just watch watch anything differently now right the like the idea of watching a show every night at a certain time
1: just isn't a th- thing, right? Yeah, no one. I don't think no one watches a full episode of the Tonight Show anymore. But they'll they'll share a clip of just like, oh, here's a game he played with Channing Tatum, or you right. know, you know what I mean. But no one's watching the full episode of the Tonight Show anymore, you know? Yeah, you know that's not all bad. I've talked about that with my. High it's school not bad. It's students. just changed. It's just different. Yeah, you know,
0: and there's some greats over that because like, I like my students will discover you know an older show. The Office was really popular a year or two ago, and I think it was maybe two years ago, and the kids are like. Nielsen, have you seen this show, The Office? Like, yes, when it was on. Like, it's really
1: funny. I'm like, sure is. You know, like. I remember watching the first season being like, oh, okay, Diversity Day is a good episode. This show might have some legs. (laughs) Right. Right. So, I mean, like, that's
0: great. Or. Parks and Rec, which is my all time favorite sitcom. Mm -hmm. And like a bunch of my students then just hammered through it. It's kind of fun that you can just hammer through a show Then they're caught up and get all the jokes and everything like that. Right. But there aren't very many things of like, we're all like, like the old NBC Thursday night. Like, did you watch the episode last night? Like Mm -hmm. Game of Thrones, maybe a couple things, but there's not a ton of that
1: anymore. Well, you just, you don't, you don't have to watch anything live anymore. Right. You don't, you just don't have to. And that, and then I think, and I'm not, some people get really mad about that. Like, oh, binging stupid. It's like, no, there are some shows I like to just have done in a week. Yeah yeah. <laughs> Some shows aren't worth me following for several months. <laughs> right. But I'm like I want the gist of it now, you know. And then for me like you know when Game of Thrones would come back aside from this last season. Uh, but what, <laughs> which was just was just me every Sunday being like, "Well, let's see what they did now." Uh, but you know, that was a show then since everything else you could watch in one sitting. When a show that would come back on the air that I was excited about, it was fun to have a show that I was watching week to week. Oh, yeah, for sure. You know what I mean? And kind of had that a little bit right now with, you know, with The Mandalorian on Disney Plus, a little bit of just like, oh, it's kind of fun. I'm like, when's the next one coming out? I want to see what happens next. And it's like, you don't, because even too, like, I started watching, I watched the first episode of the HBO's The Watchmen show. Yeah. And I watched it, and it was good, but it was like, I could tell it was slow. And they're like, I can tell they're going to. They're going to tease out all the details very, very slowly. Right. So, as when I watched the pilot, I'm like, that's good. I will watch all of it when the season is over. <laughs>
0: that's really funny. I have not watched any of the Watchmen yet. Watch the Watchmen. And I will, but I had the same Who thought. Who watches the Watchmen? <laughs> this guy. <laughs> uh. <laughs> but I had the same thought, even just from the Twitter stuff. I'm like, this looks really interesting. I want to watch it. But I think I'm just going to wait and watch them mm-hmm. in a row.
1: Yeah. And, I, and, I, and now more and more two shows are made to be consumed that way. Yeah. Like in a, where it's like they make a long movie that you can just watch the whole thing. You know, Stranger Things is really good about that. Oh, yeah. Where it's just like they, they literally just like, oh, we're planning on you watching all of this in a day or two. <laughs> like,
0: well, and that's a funny one because I love Stranger Things. And again, being around high school kids all the time. They like Stranger Things, so it's one of those that, like, when it drops, I feel like I have to watch the whole thing a day because I know they're going to, and <laughs> yeah. they're going to want to talk about it, and I don't want anything ruined, mm-hmm. so it's like, I got to hammer the whole thing out so we can all discuss it, like, right. on Monday.
1: Yeah, yeah. But something, something I, I want to cover real quick, we're getting probably close to wrapping this up. We're at 53 minutes. We did good. Oh, yeah. Uh, but one of the things I thought of, though, about kind of being on the, I don't know, the kind of edge of alternative like comedy and stuff like that, I remember when we were kids, too, uh, kind of the early us and our cousins were kind of the early adopters of uh, Cartoon Network's Adult Swim.
0: Yeah, that's true. Because
1: I remember being at Dan and Jeremy's house, and we'd be watching Space Ghost Space Coast to Coast,
0: Coast to Coast. <laughs> I, as soon as you said that, yeah, Space Ghost Coast Coast, to Coast. Which I forgot that was even like called Adult Swim at it, the time. Well, it wasn't yet. Okay,
1: they were. It was. It was when they were. Uh, I actually found there's a really great YouTube video I found that was just. It was a, called the history of Adult Swim. Really? And they literally, and they just go through like how it was pitched, how it was created, what shows they did, and just how they made it work. Because that's why those early shows are so cheap and are of old Hanna Barbera, like cartoons. Oh right. Where they would just repurpose old animations because <laughs> they yeah. had no money. <laughs> so that's why they did Space Ghost Coast to Coast and why they did Sea uh, Lab Twenty Twenty One. Oh, man. Because C-Lab 2020 was a cartoon already. And they're just like, just edit this differently and add new voices. (laughs) I forgot all about that. They did that just so they could spend no money on these shows. Uh, but yeah, Space Ghost Coast, Coast, Coast. I remember like we would we watched quite a bit of Space Ghost Coast to Coast, Coast, Coast. And I remember, I love I remember Space Ghost Coast to Coast. Dude, you can find so many of them on YouTube now. I, I've watched gone back I and love. watched some. It's so good. That show's so good. And it's like it is, you kind of watch it. And I'm like, wow, this was like really kind of early like alt comedy in a way, of like kind of because <laughs> yeah. it's it's the first one. It's kind of funny because a lot of shows did it after that show of the parody talk show. It was yeah. kind of the first to do the parody talk show. <laughs> yeah, that is true. And it's a, it's with this totally forgotten cartoon character <laughs> from the 60s, you know, <laughs> Space Ghost. <laughs> yeah. Which are like, and you know, you the old Space Ghost, co- I've watched some of the old Space Ghosts, co- is not a good cartoon. I don't know that I've ever watched the actual show. <laughs> they used to play them early on Cartoon Network. I've watched a lot of TV, and I'm a real <laughs> as, as a kid, I was really I was obsessed with cartoons as a kid too. I was still am. I'm, so you still watch a lot
0: of cartoons. I still watch
1: a lot of cartoons I've talked about this before how when I'm on the road doing comedy and I get to a hotel because it has cable (laughs) I literally it stays on Cartoon Network all day because I like to see what the new kids shows are because there's some really good clever ones and then at night is Adult Swim and I (laughs) Adult Swim is still doing cool weird stuff like I still you know aside from the Rick and Morty's which I do I am a fan of Rick and Morty but still like their limited shows are real weird Hmm. my favorite things are when at three in the morning they do their paid programming shows Where it's like in, they'll sneak it in the middle of like paid programming stuff. Okay. That's where, did you ever see that too many cooks thing that came out a few years back? I don't think so. I'll have to show that to you. It, it went like kind of viral, like for kind of comedy dork viral, but not like viral, viral. <laughs> sure. But it it's it just starts as this uh like opening of a sitcom called Too Many Cooks, Too Many Cooks. <laughs> and it's a real like family matters opening, but it's eleven minutes long. So it keeps restarting and the cast members keep getting replaced, and then slowly there's like a character that like gains sentience and starts killing <laughs> other characters. It's really bizarre but they did a whole series of them where it would just be these 11 minute like experimental really bizarre things that just they just the only thing was like they gotta be 11 minutes long really and they would just go and be so bizarre they had one that started as uh it was called unedited footage of a bear (laughs) and it starts as just a bear and then it says uh, it, it makes it look like it's on YouTube and then it pops up an allergy ad and even has a thing in the corner that says skip ad yeah. and it starts playing this like Clarence did like have this like allergy medication but then it just stays with her and follows her as she goes through this like psychedelic nightmare <laughs> <laughs> before then finally going back to here's a bear like so it's like but I remember like when we were kids that was when Space Ghost Coast goes on that was they were testing like the adult swim thing and we were like watching that like and you know I don't even remember how much like adults when we were watching at that time or <laughs> cartoons yeah. at all. But like, I remember that, like we were, I don't know. We accidentally were into hip comedy yeah as yeah. children. Cause it was all accident.
0: Well, yeah, no, I, we, I don't remember seeking any of this out. It just sort yeah. of like, yeah, we watched this and it was funny. But, uh, and I, again, I think that goes back to sort of, if you're just spending time with your family and you're not, you're not doing other things where you're, traveling places or doing stuff like that. It's a lot of time sitting, maybe especially in that era, like late 80s, early 90s, really kind of through mm-hmm. the 90s. Like You're just watching a lot of stuff on TV and things like that. And back to we genuinely – I don't know how many cousins we have. We have a bunch of them. We do have a bunch. I'm not sure either. The stat, uh, mom would always tell us. So, yeah, like Logan said, our mom is one of 14 kids – Most of whom all stayed around the north end of Mason City, and we all Mm -hmm. lived within blocks of each other and grew up at birthday parties and holidays every weekend, more or less. And uh, the stat, mom would always say, is starting with our grandparents, not including like the people who were brought in. I was the 50th person born in our family, Mm -hmm. and my son was the 120th. Well, just going linearly, not like we brought these people and we yeah. bring in a bunch of people, but just if you're just going down from
1: kids to kids to kids to kids, right. I remember when I got married, me and mom worked out like the invitation list. yeah, and it was just on her side of who we thought was gonna come right Got to a hundred. Yeah. Not even everybody. But that's also included it was including all cousins kids and spouses and stuff like sure. that. So it was it wasn't all of our immediate relatives and maybe some of like her cousins too or something like that, but like right. that got number got to 100 immediately before we accounted for anybody else. Yeah, true. <laughs> like, so but so I, we do have a large family.
0: <laughs> I think it was so big and so communal because we did everything with our cousins. I remember you know, talking to people and they would say like, "Oh yeah, like I have three cousins but they live in Nebraska or something." I'd be like, "What?" Like, I know. Like, I have five cousins my same age, more or less, do you know? You, <laughs> like,
1: do you remember, I remember this, like, it happened to me in middle school, but do you remember the moment when you realized you were the weird one?
0: Uh, not specific moment, but I do... Like a general era? Like Yeah, I do kind of remember, like, starting to figure out that, like, oh, my family is the thing that exists out of the norm.
1: Yes, that that was my thing with realizing like, oh, not everybody has a bunch of because not only do we have a huge family, but we're all very close. You know, like
0: like, my best friends growing up were my cousins, and that was, you know, even as I was like getting into high school, I'd have my really close high school friends, and then it was, oh, I'm gonna go hang out with my cousin, and they'd be like, me, what? I mean, it's like, well, yeah, because we grew up together, we're super close, we're best friends. I mean. yeah. So yeah, I,
1: that seemed normal. And saying like, oh, like my my uncle and people being, and, I, and then me being like, you know, oh, this, well, this uncle. And they're just like, oh, you got a bunch? <laughs> like, <laughs> like, yeah. Oh, yeah. Like, like. Well, and I think with some of the
0: stuff that we grew up seeing is we had enough people to sort of have our own culture a little bit.
1: Oh yeah yeah. Where it was like we For were sure.
0: we were just exposed to so many things from oh, our older cousins discovered this
1: and watched this. So then we do. You know what? I was going to say that earlier about some of the comedy stuff too of like I think that's part of it is just because we grew up having like being close with cousins who were 10 years older than us. Yeah. That immediately gets you like insight into stuff that's not immediately of your age, you know. Right. I mean, we were weird kids though. I mean, but that also that's like why I, you know, I grew up watching Mystery Science Theater 3000 because of my older cousins who got me into it. Yeah. I was the only kid my age watching Mystery Science Theater 3000, you know, <laughs> right, at seven right, years old. Right. I would try to show my friends be like, oh, uh, great, right? And they're just like, this is an hour and a half long. <laughs> You're like, yes, enjoy. I'm like, yeah, sit quietly <laughs> and watch a movie while other people watch a movie. Watch them watch a movie. Children, games are stupid. <laughs> <What>? Sit here. <laughs>
0: Well, I I think that might have been part of it too where there was enough of us where you could be into weird stuff and then it it was cool it, or it,
1: someone else would be into it too. Yeah,
0: it was at least not not cool because yeah. we're family so you kind of all and I discovered too growing up that not all families get along and not that our family you know, different people maybe don't get along here and there but we yeah. all generally like oh we love each other and support each other we're family and right it's like the be all end all so
1: it's like if there's a real sopranos vibe to our family I'm yeah just like, for sure listen i hate this guy but if you mess with him, i'll kill you, <laughs> but, you <laughs> <That's know. laughs> a, yeah, that is 100 percent correct
0: but i think it was just if you got into something and it was kind of a little goofy or off the beaten path there was enough of us and nobody was gonna make fun of you for it. So it was like, well, we're, we're cool. If the rest of the world, who's not our
1: family, doesn't yeah. understand,
0: it doesn't matter. There's enough of yeah. us that
1: it's cool. There was at least, you'd at least have one other cousin who shared the same level of obsession with you about that thing. You <laughs> right, know what I mean? Right. Like, it's like, you know, even like, you know, like ACDC is a big one. Like a band I got, it's like me and Alex. Like we're, we like <laughs> right. every, everyone likes ACDC. Me and Alex like ACDC, you know? <laughs> like, right, right. You know, It's like, no matter what, you can find when you have a family that big, someone's going to get you entirely for this thing. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, that's a good point. That's kind of a beautiful thing about, about having a big, ridiculous family. But, uh, well, shoot, man, we're at an hour. I think this. Yeah. Is good. Do you want to keep going or do we wanna just wrap this
0: one up? We can wrap this one up. That seems like a, a decent place to stop. Yeah. As decent as any, we
1: kind of gone all over the map. So. Yeah. So, so thanks for let for listening to two guys with similar voices ramble about nineties comedy. <laughs> but the good news
0: is you did not have to watch how much we talk with our hands. <laughs> 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 this is all audio, and you're welcome <laughs>
1: <laughs> right. yeah, I'm in there. thanks for listening. <laughs> much love, <laughs> bye. <laughs>